Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. All right, everybody. Boom sauce. Boom sauce to you all. It is the week of the 2012 first-round picks for the Boston Red Sox. Pat Light, obviously, to kick things off. Another great podcast with Pat. And now, Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson used to be with the Red Sox organization for a long, long time. Obviously, ever since the 2012 draft. Up until this year when he requested his release. In the middle of the year, in the middle of the regular season, the two-month regular season, the 2020, um, and was granted it, went home back to Florida, and now he is a free agent. And he was nice enough to come in the podcast. And spoiler alert, he is inducted into the Brad, Brad Poe Show Hall of Fame during this podcast. Well-deserved. It's been on this podcast a bunch of times. Always entertaining. Always insightful. And this time is no exception. He goes into detail about what happened this year. We thought he was probably going to be a come up part of their starting rotation. Doesn't make the team out of spring training, the second spring training. And despite the massive amount of woes that the Red Sox pitching staff had, never got the call. Ultimately, like you said, he parted ways with the organization and Really, a lot of people were wondering what happened, what was going on. This is the guy in 2018 who proved to be a very, very valuable major league pitcher. 2019 had illness, had had injury, but then came back and looked pretty good, but still was not called up to the team. Well, he explains this on this podcast, goes into detail about what happened uh, and really what is going to happen or how he's feeling heading into his first round as a free agent. So once again, we're really happy to have Brian on always great to have on, whether it's at twin peaks, whether it's over zoom, no matter where it is. So enjoy. We'll keep giving you these podcasts. We get some more to come this week. We want to keep baseball on the mind here, Boston baseball on the mind with a little bit of the world series sprinkled in, and then we get boom into the off season. All right. So enjoy this. And uh, Brian Johnson, everybody. The man who is on the cusp of entering into the Bradford Show Hall of Fame. We just had a, a new inductee, Brian Johnson, just the other day. Who's that? Daniel Bard. Oh, okay. okay. Yes, he, he recapped a memorable 2020 uh, by, in, by accepting his induction. Can you name the other three? Rick Porcello? No. What? <laughs> okay, I'll go uh, David Ross. Yeah, David Ross. Uh, Lester? No. No? Um, so Daniel Bard. You're missing, a, you're missing a very obvious one. Travis Shaw? Travis Joe Shaw. Kelly? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Boom, boom. I thought you'd get Kelly before uh, Travis Shaw, but yes. So you're on the cusp. We'll see how this goes. Maybe by the end, maybe that you'll be calling yourself a Hall of Famer. Who knows? <laughs> uh, so how you been? How's everything going? Good. Um, just working out. I haven't started throwing yet. Just, um, you know, trying to, uh, you know, get ready. It's a weird offseason for me because this is the first time I've never been with the team or the, the Red Sox or whatever. So it's it's different. So I'm trying to, you know, I started working out a little earlier than normal, just trying to, you know, have that extra edge or I don't know what you want to call it. What happened when when you went home? Did you just shut it down, or did you keep no, going? No, I, I, I threw 
for about a month. I uh, got with my high school catcher at the high school field here. And um, I threw, so I basically did my starters routine, but just obviously not in a game. I would play catch. I would throw a bullpen on my day two. And then I'd throw an extended, like, three up and downs on my day five. Okay. And, and all the time – well, let's, let's, let's not jump ahead there. Let's go back and – let's go back to the first spring training. You had a good spring training, correct? Yeah. You had a I, very, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think most people thought you had a good spring training. Um, we go on the hiatus. You come back. And uh, it seemed like you had a good, good spring training 2.0. Um, but then you don't get put on the roster. Uh, take me through that. Was that a surprise? Yeah, um, it was a surprise, but, you know, everyone has their reasonings for doing things, and, I, I mean, the Red Sox need to do what's best for the Red Sox, and Brian needs to do what's best for Brian, and they just thought for going that route was, you know, better for them, which I, I understand. You know, they want to see what they had and, and guys that, you know, I'm brought over, which is totally understandable. I don't, I don't hold any grudge or ill will. I, you know, I, the whole process was very, very professional um, on both ends, I feel like. Um, you know, there was no bad blood. You know, I talked to Haim and, and BOH throughout the whole process, along with my agent, talking to them as well. And it was, you know, everything was talked out and at length. And, you know, it, it was very, very, very professional on both sides. And there's no ill will or none of that. So you said, like, obviously, and it's understandable, like, they have guys that they targeted. I mean, they turned over the roster quite a bit. You know, starting by, you know, when they DFA'd you, I mean, that was a sign they were turning over the roster in terms of guys that they were identifying. Um, so when they form the roster, that's fine. And like you said, that's understandable. But at the same time, like – Let's be honest. I mean, you went through the first couple of weeks and it was epically bad. Very nice people, very hardworking pitchers, and a lot of them will go on to do a lot of great things. But, you know, the, the biggest thing, and I think that I wasn't alone in saying this, a lot of people were saying this, is that, you know, this guy, Brian Johnson, is a proven guy in the major leagues. 2018 was one of the, as Alex Cora has said a million times, one of the most valuable guys. 2019 had some injuries and some illness. And then you come back in 2020 and okay, you know, you don't make the initial roster, but things are going so south and you're sitting there. And, and from what I saw, it looked like you were pitching pretty well in Pawtucket. Um, as you're going through that, you know, there must've been a little bit of like, what the hell? I mean, I'd be lying if I said that there was some, not some sort of fire in my stomach that was like, I feel like I'm pitching well enough to at least get another chance. But like I said, you know, everyone has their, their reasoning or their thought process on how things go. Um, and I just it, and I just wasn't in the plans really, you know, in the sense of that I felt like, you know, um, that's how I felt. And that's why I felt like doing what I did was the best opportunity for me. Obviously, didn't get picked up. Um, if I stay with the Red Sox, who knows? Maybe I do get called up. But how I felt at that point in time, um, 
that's the decision I, I made. You had just reached a point where you said, you know, I just want to move on. Yeah, and I and and it it, it sucks because there's been so many ups and downs in my career with the Red Sox that I, like I I said this years ago that I they helped me so much in in a lot of ways. So it was like I felt guilty doing it. But at what point in time do you have to do what's right that you feel what's right for you? And I felt like I hit that breaking point to where I was just like I. I feel like I'm not just sitting, just sitting doing what I was doing wasn't, wasn't, wasn't what I wanted. So I made that decision. So, and you were throwing pretty well down at the alternate site, right? Yeah, my first one wasn't great. And I think, you know, I let a little bit of my mental um, anger or, or call whatever bitterness or frustration, frustration, um, kind of get the best of me because I, I went down and I had to throw a couple of days later and that was childish of me and I shouldn't have let that affect my outing. I'll admit it. Um, but you know, my second, third and fourth ones were, my second one was better. My third one was even better. My fourth one was even better. Like, I just kept getting better, but I felt better. My velocity was better. It was, you know, a lot of things I just felt like, you know, that break I kind of lost in between two spring trainings. I finally started rolling and you know, if I ever was going to be a free agent, I felt like after the back-to-back ones I had, this is my best time. But the problem was is there's no scouts at the inter-squad games. There's no, like, I'm trying to take video. I get video, but it's like I'm splicing together, like, clips, and it's like I, I don't know if this is a rough, like, what people want to see. Like, I don't – like, my agent helped me out at the end – or uh, helped me out through the process. was like, hey, we need to get some video, and I ended up getting video, which helped. But obviously it was – I mean, when I once I left the site, you have to quarantine again. So it's like, okay, you go somewhere, that's three days of not throwing almost. So it's like, I mean, it was just, you know, I know everyone says this, but 2020 is a weird year. So it was just being a free agent. It was like, no one really had answers, not teams, not my agent, not me. It was just like, let's take a risk and see what happens. And when, so you drive, you're driving back down to Florida, back to your home, you're probably thinking, even though you have the quarantine, you are thrown pretty well, and teams need pitchers, and they need pitchers. But the pitchers problem with, is, Rob, yeah. is I threw well, but no one saw that. Yeah. Other than the video footage, but, you know, in a video footage – Did teams did teams, did teams say that? Like, did – like uh, Teams did say they need they wanted video of me throwing it, in my outings in Pawtucket, and they wanted video of me throwing at home here. Okay. So it, it really is like the, it's, it was the perfect storm of, of how it didn't work out. Because you go, let's go back to 2018. I mean, a regular year, a regular spring training, you prove yourself, you're a valuable guy, you show you're a valuable guy, you show like what you can bring to a major league team, all of that normal year. And then, like I said, 2019, this, we, we understand illness, injury, everything else. But then you get here. Like, I would imagine that you don't feel a whole lot different when you were rolling, once you get rolling again, 2020, than you did as a major league pitcher in 2018, right? No, and I, and, and I think people and guys that have pitched in the major leagues and, and have played at a high level understand, like, once you get that confidence in the major leagues, you have a little bit of success, you have something to go back to. So it's... When you're in 2018, when I str- like when you struggle at all, when you first get caught up, 
you don't have anything to relate to because you're brand new. Like AAA is not the big leagues. So you have nothing to relate to in the sense of, okay, look, when I had this outing, I did this, it went well, let me, let me try something like this. But in 2018, I had success. So I, you know, I, I have that extra confidence or that mentality now towards like, look, I've done this before. I, I can do this. It's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, let me just tweak some things or work on some little things and I'll figure it out. You know, we, you said that, you know, that, some of these guys they brought in, it's their guys. They identified these guys. There's a reason everyone prioritizes different things. And it's weird because now people have these, these mechanical things. These, there's no one thing that people are going to say, that is the most important thing. So what I'm saying is that for you, a guy who has proven he can get major league hitters out, does it hurt you somewhat to say, bring, okay, let's bring in the rap soda. Let's bring in, you know, track man, this, this, and, and, oh, well, you know what? We like this, but we don't like this because again, the, the high and bloom and is coming from a different organization that does different things a different way. Does that make any sense? It does. And I, I think that stuff helps and it can help anybody. It can help anybody in the sense of, you know, maybe you notice something little that you gain velocity or your curveball gets a little tighter. But for me, I, I, I like it. I like it on days I feel good. And I think it's good to do it on some days you feel bad, but I don't want it every, like, I didn't like it every day. It's like some days I'm more sore than others. It's like, look, this bullpen for me is just kind of a, um, like, touch and feel. Like, I'm just trying to get loose and just feel my pitches. And then you look at the Rapsodo and it's like, they say they don't judge you off of it, but it's like, hey, what's going on here? Like he, and it's, that's the least the way I thought about it. Like, but that's I what I, I mean. I, that's what I'm talking about though. Like you don't want it, like as a pitcher say, hey, listen, I got the guy out. Oh, well, the rep soda machine says that you didn't get him out well enough. You know, in the way I that mean, we want you to. Yeah, I don't know. I know. Like, I, I, I'm just saying, like, I, it's, it's, it's just an observation. You know, this is. No, no, and you're not wrong, but like some people love it. And you know, some people, you know, like for me, I like going off of reading the hitter. Like if you see the hitter doing something and you can make adjustments off that, that's what I like. It's like a game within the game. It's like, okay, how did I get him out before? Okay. Let's switch it up or let's keep going with that. Like it's just a game within the game and, and doing that. But the rap soda, like I will say like when we had Brian Bannister and he was going over with me some stuff in 2018 really helped me was like with my curveball. Like, I can throw it up, start, like, missing fastball up and away, and then starting my curveball higher to get that upper call was good. Like, and I didn't have thought about it like that. Mm. Because the rap soto shows you the, you know, how it kind of breaks, that delayed. So I will say, like, there is some stuff that's really good. It's just some stuff can be information overload, and some stuff is good. I guess what I'm saying, yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, like, listen, all information is good. It's, it's fine. You can take what you want and get rid of the rest. And this is sort of one of my rants in baseball these days is that so many teams, teams are prioritizing what they think guys are going to be more than ever instead of what they have been. And I'm not talking what they have been five or 10 years ago. I'm talking about, you know, Hey, like in your case, what you were two, two years before. And listen, this, this roster, this Red Sox roster, nice people, hardworking people, some hit, some didn't. 
but it was it was a ton of guys who had seven ERAs who said we think that we can do this or do that and they'll take off and they're not alone I mean this is how baseball is going Brian like that we think that even though you haven't shown it we are going to fix this and show that we can do it you know it's the same I mean I feel like it's a trend because it used to be when I was younger it was like velocity you can't teach velocity so we can make this guy throw strikes and then you look back three years later coming through the minors and you're in triple a and a guy you played with in the low a is not even on the team anymore but he got released throwing 100 i don't that's speaking of which uh, pat light was on the podcast yesterday so <laughs> well, I, I, i'm not i'm not even i'm not even talking about <laughs> I'm <just joking laughs> but i'm saying like in general it's like everybody was up for the longest time and I still feel a little bit now is like everyone's obsessed with velocity. So it was Well, like, they are. They are. Uh, and rightfully so. Like, but get me wrong. Like, if you throw 100 and you miss over the plate, you have a better chance than like me. If you miss over the plate at 88, it's, you have a better chance of getting hit. I get that. But at some point in time, like, you got to throw strikes. Like, if you just fall behind 2-1, 2-0, 3-1, like, that's not going to work. Yeah, you, might have, you might get some luck games where it happens, where you get lucky and they miss, but – consistently on a consistent basis if you fall behind on the count you will get punished well you know like so ryan weber ryan weber was going to be the guy that shows everybody you don't need to throw you know 95 and he was going to be in the starting rotation whatever so he takes that doesn't really work out and then you pop up and you say like you think more guys are throwing with velocity than ever like this idea of of hey we're accepting ryan the ryan webbers of the world this, what we're seeing now in the World Series, is not uh, help people go down that path. Because every single one of these guys that the Rays and the Dodgers are rolling out there are throwing 97 with very little effort. I mean. Yarbrough. Right? Yarbrough. Okay. One. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we can probably go eight, eight out of ten are throwing 95 plus every single Right. Match. But I'm saying, and I'm not saying, like, obviously, like, I think that, like, that you don't have to – I'm with you. You don't have to throw 95. You've proven that. You've proven that. But I'm just talking about what teams – like how teams are viewing players, like going forward. Yeah. I mean, I think there's also value now with the three-hitter rule, like to where if you can do both. You can start, you can relieve, you can do things. I think being kind of the Swiss Army knife helps. Oh, dude, you, were, you, like, you are more valuable now than ever. Ever. Like, the lefty specialist, it's gone. No. It's like – and, and also, by the way, like this idea of we're going to have these three stud starters and they're going to give us seven, eight innings. And like, no, we're going to have these three stud starters and we're just going to count on them to go four or five. And then we have to bring in a guy, you know, somebody else. I mean, you are, more val- you are more valuable to the game. I will say it now, not just because you're on the podcast, not because you're on a borderline Hall of Famer, but you are more valuable to the game of baseball right now than ever. Well, I mean, if you look at it, like – Ryan came out out of the bullpen and did great. He did great. So I, I and I don't I don't think it had I think it had to do with Ryan is a good pitcher, and he knows he's a good pitcher. But when you have a couple bad starts, especially in the Boston market, you can let that doubt creep in or whatever it is, and you don't feel that confidence. And then when you went to the bullpen, like for me, I mean, same thing. Like I'm. And by the way, I've not talked to Ryan about this. Yeah. Um, but I'm speaking off experience. Like when you go to the bullpen, 
and you kind of get that weird role where you're kind of like if you're up big down by a little bit trying to keep us in the game role you kind of find your identity and find your groove and then ryan went back to starting and did well again like i just think once you kind of get hit a little bit and you start like hearing like oh there's doubt there's doubt that doubt can creep in yeah and, and you shouldn't because i mean look at ryan's spring training it's the same hitters right i don't care if you're training like ryan was unbelievable yeah and i'm not and i'm not and I, I'm certainly not saying that Ryan Weber cannot pitch in the major leagues. No. What I'm, I saying, what I, what I'm saying is sort of like, you know, the perception and the way that people are judging pitchers. And, and it's unfortunate. It's like this, this is off of this World Series, we're going to see more copycat stuff than ever. We just are. And, um, and then it'll change, and then it'll change again, and then it'll change again. It's just perception. And it's a weird thing. Perception is the weirdest thing this year, and you're a perfect example of this, because we're talking about two months. In your case, it was a couple weeks. That was it. So that said, like, once you get free and clear, once you roll down I-95 to Florida to buy your, your weak-ass Tampa Bay hat, to, to jump on the bandwagon, and once you roll down there, and then, okay, oh, like, I'm trying to hook on with teams and try to hook on the teams. And, and then the season went along. I would imagine you get into September and you're like, okay, well, I bet just better just get ready for next year. Did, do you feel now, like you said, this is the first time that you get to choose your sort of team. Do you feel like in, in a good place right now? Yes. I will say yes. At first, 50-50 because you don't I don't you've never been through something it's the same thing as I was talking about when you have a bad outing and you can you you've had success at the big league level it's the same thing as this like like I was like look I had you know a handful of teams calling me when I was here like five to seven let's say and they were saying hey like one got very there was one situation that was very close to where I was you know very close to the situation working out did but, they make the playoffs yeah okay one. So one situation with that team um, was very, it was very close, like I said, but then it was like, okay, all this, then it, to a certain point where, you know, right around, right after that trade deadline time, it was like done. Didn't hear from anybody. And it was like, dang, like, I don't, is that, is that good? Is that normal? But it's, it's in my age, it was like, look, like, I don't, I think it's normal because it's 2020. Like now you, like, it's the trade deadline. They could have gotten players they wanted. Like, you have – it's COVID. Like, you have to travel through an airport to go there. Like, or you have to drive there. You, you can be contaminated. Like, it's like – it's just a lot of what ifs. So, um, I mean, at that point in time, after the trade deadline, I basically was like, I'm just going to relax and hang out. And then I'm going to start October 1 working out. And you start – I'm starting a couple weeks earlier than I usually do. Are you motivated? Like, are, like it's, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, but like I said, at first I was nervous, but, but that's now what I, I mean. Because now I do have teams calling to sign me for next year. Oh, so they already like, do. I, yeah, so I'm. I feel more confident that that happens. So once that first or a couple phone calls come in, you you feel more confident. You're like, okay, like wow, like you can just like because it went dead, but it's like. You have nothing – we've never had a 2020 – whatever whatever what we experienced this year, there's never been anything to judge it off of. Right. So you're learning as you go. So I had nothing to judge it off of, so I was nervous. Yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. But, listen, like you said, it's 
things turn over pretty quick. It's a new era. We're actually going to have in-person interviews. In, in yeah, I mean, I mean, we were just, just, just yesterday, we were throwing caution to the wind at Twin Peaks and Fort Myers doing podcasts, not worrying about viruses. Getting not okay questions either, if you remember. Oh, from the waitresses? Yes. Inappropriate. Getting, getting, getting very uh, non-socially distant questions. Yes. Yes. There, yeah, there was um, – it's funny because the, the game March, March 11th was the last game. I was up in uh, Port Charlotte, and I broadcast that game, and I drove back, and I stopped on my way back to eat at a uh, Twin Peaks-like establishment. You, you know, the Florida version of Twin Peaks. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and I ate with a couple friends and we ate there and I'm like, you know, this is when all the stuff was going down. Like that night, remember that? That I mean, was the, the night that the, the basketball game. Martin basketball, Rudy Gobert, Tom Hanks, the whole box. We're sitting there. I'm watching that basketball game with Ryan, was my roommate, Ryan Weber. We were sitting there, we eating dinner. And I'm like, like, the team just walk off the court and Ryan and I go, what's going on? Yeah. Like you've heard about it, but it's kind of like, it was just kind of like, Hey, wash your hands, like cough in your thing. Okay. And I was like, I literally that day, that night I was sitting there and I'm like, Ryan, they're going to cancel our spring training. He goes, no way. And I go, dude, I'm telling you. And I was like, this is going to be a big deal. Like, especially if this spreads throughout the Dallas team, they don't want, they're not going to want it. And I was like, and it's just like it's like um, it's like if you're baseball, you don't want to show you don't care about your players. So like you just saw something happen there, like, and it was like, and then I got to the field, and he's like, oh no, and then I was like, okay, then they shut down for like a couple the weekend. Remember, they're like, okay, we'll give it three days, and then the the coaches were like, hey, you should probably if you if you want to go home, you can go home if you can drive, blah, blah blah blah. And I went home, and then I got a call literally as I'm putting my bag in my truck to go back to Fort Myers, saying, hey, stay at home. Like, we're, we don't know when we're opening. And I was like, what? Oh, yeah. And Ryan was like, dude, you called it. Like, well, remember, like, remember when, um, like you said, earlier in the week, it was a big to-do when they're like, and I think it might have been right when we did the podcast. Remember it it was right, right, I mean, right, right. around. Like, yeah, no, because it was, it was yes, it, I, it, because it was media is not allowed in the clubhouse. And this yes. was a big thing, right? This was like a... Oh, we're thinking, and we shouldn't have thought this way, but we're thinking, oh, here we go. Like, they just don't want us around. And they're going to cart out, and then they bring out, like, a couple people. But, you know, so obviously that seems so ridiculous now that, it, you know, that we were complaining about it. But part of that, too, was you said, I think the doctors came in and probably gave you guys a little bit of a speech and said, don't do that and don't do this. But still, I remember, Brian, that that, that game up in Port Charlotte, and guys are still signing autographs. Guys are still high-fiving. Like, so when, you're giving, when you guys are giving that speech in that, that week or so leading up, you're probably like, yeah, okay. And then when the media is not allowed in the club, I was like, yeah, even better. Great. Okay. You know, but it, it wasn't – I don't think that you guys were probably, like, putting yourself in, in bubbles or anything. No. And it was, like, even, like – I don't know. It was so weird because, like, it went from like you can go home if you need to drive, like blah blah blah. And then it went like, "Hey, if you have to fly, you better do it now because this is getting bad." We're like, "What?" Like everyone's like, "What's going on?" Like is this thing like? And it's like the worst case scenario because you don't want 
you know, God forbid that one person on your team gets sick and has something serious happen. Because I had a friend that he was in a coma for her. Oh, are you kidding me? Really? My age. And in, for five weeks, for a while there, it wasn't looking good. And he's good now. I mean, played golf with him the other day. He's doing better. And, and he's – but I tell you what, like, it went from he had it, he felt better, and then one night just went to the hospital and couldn't breathe. And, and it was – I mean, like that. And it was scary to me. Like, that was the first time for me I was like, all right, this is no joke. When was that? That was when I first – probably when I first got to Boston for the second spring training. Like, the first – like a week leading up to that is when he went to the hospital. Wow. It was, I mean, rot, rot, not good, like scary stuff. Like, like not good, like not good. That put, must have put a whole new perspective. Yeah, yeah, it was scary. Like, yeah. you're, I mean, I thought I was, there was potential I was going to lose one of my friends. Uh, and and, he, and he's thir- 32. Wow. And it was like, and, and, you know, I had my health stuff that, from what happened in 2019, so that, that, that put me at high risk so I can, so it was, you know, just, I didn't want to. Did you consider not playing? For like a brief second. And then I was like, nah, I'm playing. Do you think, what was it, the vibe that, you know, obviously we we're not, I saw you in the sidewalk, I think, but we're not anywhere near you guys. Um, the vibe that I got, like early on in that and when everyone came back was sort of the one foot in one foot out, you know, like we're kind of in, but eh. I feel like the whole thing was leading off. Like, kind of like, I felt like Mike Trout had a lot of pressure on him. Like it was like, what is Mike Trout going to do? Cause I felt like a lot of guys, like a lot of big name guys. And I'm just speaking out of just what you see right. was leaning on, on, on him. Like if he does this, then, you know, maybe I, I don't know. I mean, did you guys what, – what was the – as it went along, as the camp went along and as you guys got closer to the, the first game, did you think guys were still like – like I said, one I foot in? The no. more it went on, the more comfortable everybody felt. Everyone's like, okay, this is going to be a real season. Yep. Okay. I think when we started, everyone was like, well, we'll see if we actually finish this thing. And then the more and more you, you were there, it was like, this isn't going to work. This isn't bad at all. Like, Who was in your suite? Um, I had my own. Oh, really? Uh, for, for, for protocol, for, for high risk. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad you're okay. No, no. I mean, I, it's nothing crazy. It's just yeah. like, you know, like asthma or stuff like that. Can, so if you get deemed high risk by the MLB, then you, you, they had to accommodate you. Right. Well, you had your own suite. There you go. You're the big winner. It wasn't. Trust me, I'm not that type of person. I wish I had a room. Like, yeah, I know. I know you. I know. I, I yeah, I know. But like, um, I ended up basically just sitting out back, talking to Nate across. Like Nate was next door to me yeah. in Barnes, so I just talked to Nate basically over. <laughs> um, let's go back. So I had this question. Mookie Betts said, "I'm taking sort of a right hand turn, but whatever." Uh, Mookie Betts said uh, that, that Dodgers are the most talented team that he's ever played on. My question to you, now that you're out of the organization, who would win, 2018 Red Sox or, or 2020 Dodgers? Well, it's weird because two of our teammates would be on that team too. So, but, and it, let, let me help you. Like, so my point is, and I said 2018 Red Sox, and my point is is that 
Yeah, you know, you have these guys. Dodgers is an embarrassment of riches in terms of talent, and they seem to like each other and the team and everything else. But there are certain, like, pieces of that 2018 team that just fit. And I think this, this is, like, it, it, you have to have this in baseball. And you also have to remember, you guys rolled. I mean, you rolled to, through the regular season and pretty much through the, the postseason – but you had guys like, you know, Sandy Leone or Steve Pierce or yourself or you know, whoever, you know, it's like you had those pieces. And it just – and I'm not saying that it was a more talented team, but it just fit together maybe better. Yeah, I don't – I'm obviously biased, and I'm going to say the 2018 Red Sox because that's the team I was on. Um, but – and that's a biased answer for sure. But for me, I think – I, and I'm just speaking off the way I felt was whenever we, even when we lost, it was like, ah, we're going to win tomorrow. Like there was no doubt. Like, like there was no doubt. Like it was like in our head, if you lost two, we weren't losing three. We lost one, we weren't going to lose two. It was just like, and I told, I told Cora this, I've never felt like that in the professional aspect of like rookie ball, single way high, any of them. Only time I ever felt like that was my um, in college in 2000. Uh, I don't know if it was 11 or 12. Mm. What year that was? Like we were just so like it just didn't matter who who was pitching, who was playing. Like when we came to the park, I, I knew it. I had no doubt we were winning. Mm. So it, that's how I felt. I remember walking out of. I remember the moment we were in Baltimore. AC and I were walking out of. Um, the locker room walking to the bus and I don't know what we were talking about and it came up and I was like yeah I literally feel never felt like this since college and he was like what do you mean I was like you just come to the field and you just expect to win you just there's no doubt I don't care who's pitching I don't care what the lineup is you just felt like you were gonna win no matter what it was weird it's core it's core the best why was core the best fit for that team because he knew how to talk and he knew how to be respected. Like you respected him just as much as you trusted him. Like you, you respected him and as much as you, you, you knew what he was talking to you about. Like it, you could talk to him about, you had a family problem going on. You could talk to him about that. If I felt stuff about pitching or a bunt play or something that happened in the game, like, hey, you know, I thought about doing this. What do you think? You could talk to him about that. Doors open. You knock. I never felt unsure to go in there. Never once was I like, you know, I don't know if I should talk to him. It was like, if I had a question in my head, I was going in. It was never a doubt. Which is, you know, in this day and age of managers, if you're going to prioritize things, this is what we, one of these things that we said, like when you, when it went from Farrell to Cora, is this day and age of managers, you need guys who can go out in the clubhouse. You need guys who go out in the field. You need guys who are going to do exactly what you're talking about. Probably more than ever. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's no, how it I, I agree. And, and, and that's, I think it's because, like, you know, my best year in, in my leagues was, you know, when I was in double A and triple A, I had two great managers. Billy McMillan was the same way. Kevin Bowles was the same way. I could go in and talk to him. Anybody, no one, no one feels uncomfortable around those guys. So you could just go in and talk to them. You can joke. Bowles, he would come through, like, and make some jokes about the music and dance. Like, Billy would come in and say funny stuff. Like, it just little things like that go a long way and, and it shows on the field. How about the energy of the team? So as you heard me probably say, is that like I was skeptical about the energy of the team 
like in and you know, I know that you when you're in it, like you guys probably rolled your eyes about something like that. In no, no, this year, in spring training, oh. right? So, so my thing was, you know, you took out, you know, energetic guys. I'm not saying this is the be all end all, but especially this year when you have to supply your own energy, and Cora was part of that. Like Cora was part of that, right? And so, like, to me, like, they, they've gotten some energetic guys. Like, Verdugo has been playing a little bit more now, and he's, like, uh, Gyro Munoz, supposedly, this sort of, like, that guy. Again, we don't – we're not in there, in there. But I could tell, like, the clubhouse, they're very they're, – they're leaders in their own way. They're good guys. Um, but they're, they're their own personalities. Everyone's their own personality. And it was, to me, a lot different. I don't know. And Cora was part of that. I mean, but I think part of that, Rob, too, is the whole they didn't they weren't in the locker room, only on the road. Oh, I know. No, no, but yeah. But you speak by yourself is tough. Oh no, absolutely. But I'm just saying, like, even during the games, like this is like you the one thing we could do was watch the two dugouts. You know? And and this isn't Yeah, I didn't really I didn't really No, no, I know, I know. But I guess what I'm saying is to go back to the Cora conversation is that that's another thing I felt like he brought. Which, yeah, no, you're right. Which was, okay, you know, he, he wanted the fog machine, you know, or whatever, the, the enormous boom box or the, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, like he wanted that stuff. And, and I think that's another important part of this equation. When you watch it, how the Braves play, you watch really like, now it's easy in the postseason because everyone's jacked up and everyone's yeah. excited. But the Rays, I mean, the Rays, that's one of the things people say about the Rays. Is it, and, I don't, and, you know, I know Kevin Cash pretty well. I'm like saying, like, he's not going to put a disco ball in the middle of the room. But at the same time, those teams, there's something about that that's important these days. I think that's where Cora came in. So, Agreed. Oh, good. I'm glad you agreed. I, I, know, I, I understand what you're saying. It's just, like, when you can relax and be yourself, you're going to play better. Yes. See, you just, just said it much better than I did after a 10 minute rant. Um, all right. So are people excited about Tom Brady? Yeah. The delusional. I love it. It's just like, it's been so long. <laughs> yeah, I remember every, every year is just, every year is the year. Jameis is turning around or Bruce Arians is going to fix Jameis. And it was just like, you oh, go, God. oh, they don't, they're not going to games. People, people go in games. No. Yeah. Yeah. Now, well, the, the governor opened up. So now it's like up to city officials or like the stadium. I don't know, but I know like, like Gainesville, like, like before they got COVID, Dan Mullins was in an interview. And oh said, yeah, and said, um, "Yeah, he said pack the stadium and then went out and get COVID." And then literally two days later, had COVID. Yeah. How how are things down there? Do you feel like uh, I, I think better? I think I don't know. You, I mean, I don't. You careful? I wear a mask anywhere, even if the place doesn't say it's mandatory. I wear a mask. Good. I keep right. hand sanitizer on me. Like I just. I don't really go out. To, if I go out to eat, I sit outside. Good. So good. But Florida, I mean, a lot of at least where I live, it's been very like, you know, bartenders wear masks if you were to go inside, or you know, you could if you go to a restaurant, they're wearing masks. If you get up, they recommend you wear a mask go to the bathroom. Or, yeah. But it's not like shoving it down your throat before where they're like, do it, do it, do it. It's like, I feel like now people want to do it, which is oh. good. All right. Well, be careful. You're you're in the you're a crazy state. So um, uh, I want to congratulate you on being uh, formally inducted into the whole Hall of Fame. 
Tell <laughs> <laughs> Pat Light, uh, he's got a long ways to go. He, he hasn't made it. Like, he, he's, I, don't, he's not, I don't think he will. You know, yesterday he was on the podcast. He announced his retirement, though. Yeah. I mean, after not playing for two years. Yeah. And I saw, I don't know if it was his girlfriend or who it was, got him a cake that said uh, 11 years later for graduating college. But she'll beat me because I haven't graduated yet. So. Oh. Well, well, more importantly, focus on the prize. Congratulations. Um, you already have a T-shirt, right? Correct? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll get you, we'll get you uh, another T-shirt, and we'll get you a six-pack of Boom Sauce or whatever. Four, four pounds good. of Boom Sauce. And, and so, well, well deserved. The only person that is, uh, other than myself, that has hosted the Bradfoe Show. So, again, another reason why you probably should have been inducted before this. So congratulations. No worries. Thanks, Rob.